listeners, and welcome to this special Ask Me Anything episode of the NK News podcast. It's also a celebration. Uh, we are recording this in lieu of a party broadcast that was originally planned for episode 200. Today it is Wednesday, September 29th in Seoul, and I'm joined online by much of the NK News team for a big roundtable discussion uh, with basically lots of questions that we've received on the Twitter and through the email uh, and uh, live from other people. That's uh, really basically what it is. It's, it's a bit chaotic. It's a bit raw. In fact, one of our members isn't even here yet, but hopefully he'll jump in at some stage. Before I introduce everyone, I want to ask all of you listeners, please, once again, to rate, review, and reshare this podcast episode. That's the three R's, rate, review, and reshare. I was looking at the viewership numbers for Joe Rogan's podcast, and really, I'm jealous of the guy. I would love to have just 10% of his audience. Even one of his most unpopular uh, episodes gets a million views. So that's incredible. You can help us to achieve 10% of those figures by sharing this episode and by telling people about NK News podcast. And if you haven't already, go to our website, nknews.org, and think about becoming a paid subscriber. These paid subscriptions are very important because they help to keep NK News going to provide uh, in providing the best in North Korea-focused journalism day after day. What's more, visit our online shop at nknews.org backslash shop to see eight art prints and posters and the books that we have on offer. The recently released North Korean organogram poster uh, is really an excellent and attractive resource. It's a great wall poster that you can look at to see who's who in North Korea. Now, to introduce our guests today for this uh, mega Ask Me Anything roundtable, we have the senior analytic correspondent, Colin Zwirko. We have correspondent, Jongmin Kim, NK Pro Analyst, Peter Ward, NK News Director, Professor Andre Lankov, NK News Managing Editor, Arias Dare, who used to produce this podcast, and introducing for the very first time, Gabby Magnuson, who now produces the podcast, and of course, NK News and NK Pro founder, Chad O'Carroll, is here too. Hope I didn't forget anyone. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. Great to be on this side of the pod. Greetings. Greetings. Uh, so already chaotic. <laughs> after our uh, recent discussion on episode 200, we talked about the uh, North Korean cruise missile, and then we received an email from a Zach who provided us with the following knowledge. I'm just going to throw this in there. Uh, it's not really a question. It's more some information. The North Korean cruise missile system uh, sorry, the North Korean cruise missile uses a system called terrain contour matching, where an altimeter or, or altimeter and an inertia detector plot the flight path against a preloaded terrain contour map, which means it's not capable of shooting down aircraft, as I asked in episode 200, but is really designed to attack pre-registered targets. Uh, by modern standards, they're slow and can be shot down by aircraft. And they're also similar in design to the older U.S. Tomahawk uh, missiles of the mid-1980s, a small number of which landed in Iran, having gone off target during the 1991 conflict. And as such, this could be the basis of the new North Korean design, as North Korea and Iran cooperate a lot on uh, recent military projects. So thank you, Zach, for that. Uh, anyone have a comment on that uh, based on either the uh, missile last week or the missile, uh, when was it, this morning, uh, yesterday, recently? Uh, my comment is, what a way to start a podcast we've all had a beer for. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't supposed to be um, uh, this serious. But uh, yeah, we've had a few, uh, few tests lately. Uh, uh, I would just say that uh, I was told by at least one expert back during the, the cruise, after the cruise missile test that 
we actually don't know what kind of guidance system it has. So hmm. that remains up in the air. Uh, Literally. <laughs> no pun intended. No, but they could have used like, this guide terrain guidance system or not. But right. I mean, it's a good point. It's a good possibility. By the way, I'm watching for a missile test on Stake TV right now. So if I don't answer, uh, I mean, footage of the of the missile test this morning. So if I don't right. answer, it's because I'm trying to what capture that. What time was it this morning and what, what little do we know about it? Well, the missile test was yesterday, uh, like fully uh, 36 hours ago. Oh. Uh, North Korea, but uh, actually, I got to check this right now. A claim to be a hypersonic missile. Hypersonic? Oh, okay. Yeah, so hypersonic is a, uh, it's kind of like a, a cross between a uh, high, a ballistic missile and a cruise missile. But basically, you have a ballistic missile, which um, rather than going uh, on a very steep trajectory high into the uh, into the sky, it, it goes much lower and then um, delivers its uh, uh, warhead on a kind of cruise glide configuration but at anywhere between like three four five thousand kilometers um per hour, sorry miles per hour uh so much much quicker than the speed of sound mm. and as a result very hard to defend against and that was what was uh tested today so we, we're still a bit unfamiliar with the details on that but yeah it's just uh, as, interesting time again just as you were talking and explaining that i got a message from uh, jongmin that the missile footage is on north korean state tv right now so jongmin and colin are watching that fully concentrated so i won't interrupt them with any questions uh, for comment but uh, later on uh, they will uh, dip back into the conversation, we hope. Uh, Chad? I can dip back in right now. It oh, seems okay. that they are only releasing the same photo that they released in the morning, just the one with the nice clouds, as Professor John Delury Yeah. Well, a single still shot, no actual moving image? Mm hmm That's boring. I mean, nice clouds, sure, but still, you know, a photo doesn't quite... I mean, if you're talking about a missile, footage is better. Still, um, okay, so that's interesting. Chad, great news in the last week, especially last Saturday, uh, as a, um, an update to our uh, uh, recent episode on the thousandth day of uh, captivity for Michael Spaver and Michael Kovrig. And last Saturday, it was quite a whirlwind, wasn't it, Chad? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I remember the morning it started out with news that Miss Meng, Meng from China uh, mm -hmm. was going to be freed from Canada. And we were, you know, in WhatsApp groups, uh, you and I and others were, you know, wondering, does that mean Michael will be freed? You know, yeah. we all thought it would be several days, maybe months, so that the Chinese could continue this fiction that the two issues are unrelated. But boom, like, you know, they, I, it almost seems that they all got on the aircraft at exactly the same time. Yeah, um, I have this image of the two planes crossing paths on the uh, over the Pacific as they took <laughs> their uh, passengers back to their respective homelands. Yeah, and um, for for listeners of the, the podcast, uh, we at NK News know Michael Spavor a lot better than Michael Kovrig. Uh, but from what I gather so far, Michael Kovrig has done a bit of interaction with the media, but um, uh, Michael Spavor is not. So we, 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 we still haven't really heard from him and don't really know how he's feeling um, or what, you know, what the experience has been like. Probably very negative. Yeah, we hope he's doing yeah. well. If you're listening yeah, out there, yeah, Michael, exactly. I'd love to have you on the show whenever you're ready. Uh, but just, uh, yeah, just, uh, stay well and uh, take your time. And, and take yeah, your time yeah, and focus on getting getting yourself better first and exactly. recovered from what must have been a very unpleasant experience. But yeah, the, the bottom line is it's great news. And actually, just in uh, while his plane was on <clears throat> en route to uh, Canada, we you know we we sort of on our social media really gave his 
Kickstarter, sorry, GoFundMe um, yeah. fundraiser thing, a bit of a push. And with uh, the help of some others, it's uh, we managed in the last hours of his flight to get like, I think actually a few thousand dollars above the target. So that was a really nice yeah. uh, result for him. Now, there was yeah. a, a strange thing in the news yesterday. I saw that um, uh, White House spokesperson Jen Psaki basically echoing China's line that, oh, there's no relationship between these two cases. They're completely separate. And I was really surprised. I thought, why would America <coughs> be uh, supporting yeah, what, China's fiction on this? There's part, part, two, two reasons, I, I guess. Actually, one, from the Department of Justice's perspective, yeah. it's not, you wouldn't want that to be officially linked if uh, you're claiming that US law is being followed meticulously, right? right. Um, because that would set a pretty negative precedent. Number two, perhaps there was a deal, you know, part of the, the deal was to communicate in a right. similar way. And yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a, that's a, a very good point. Um, okay, so now I'm going to ask some questions that I received. Uh, some of the questions I've received from you, other ones I've received from people on the, the Twitter space or through email. Um, some questions are addressed to a specific person, others are to anybody. So if I don't mention a name it goes to whoever wants to jump in first and we have way too many questions to get through them all so i command you all to be brief uh, especially andre and colin okay let's go all right uh, this one's to anyone what story are you most proud of uh, writing slash editing slash being involved with don't i'll jump in at once well colin i'd be really interested to hear your yours actually sorry what did, what did you say uh, what are you most interested? Ah, what what sorry, story you were you? Are you most proud of uh, writing or editing or being involved with? Oh man, there's a lot of that. I mean, I'm, you know, we all write things that we think are really uh, that we're really proud of that we put a lot of work into that don't mm -hmm. get maybe a lot of attention. Um, uh, you know, I, I I enjoy whenever whenever I discover something. Um, there's some satellite energy pieces that I think are really good, like, uh, but, you know, I, uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. How, I, I don't know. Does anyone have like some one single one that comes up? Yeah. Does anyone have some, a ready-made answer? Well, it's a little bit easier for, for me to answer the question because my tenure in my current, uh, position at NK News has been so short compared to, uh, Colin and Jungmin. Um, but I, I really, really like this, um, this NFT story that we did with one of our other correspondents, um, because it was, it was kind of one Sorry, of those a non-fungible token, did you say? Yeah, but that, that, that's correct uh, for, uh, for our non-crypto investors uh, in the audience. Um, you, you know, it was kind of one of those things that just kind of started with an off comment, kind of this organic conversation that, that really grew out of, I don't even know if it was a meeting. I think I had just uh, seen something on my Twitter feed and threw it out to the team. And then Wongi just, just really ran with it uh, and really turned it into this, this really, really interesting angle about how North Korea might use blockchain technology, NFTs, cryptocurrencies, uh, et cetera, to uh, basically get around sanctions. And it was just this, this really kind of hmm. interesting take. He, he was able to uncover uh, this, uh, this meme coin called Spacekin, which, which used a lot of... Um, North Korean imagery and kind of kind of Juche messaging into their own kind of like Ethereum based uh, crypto coin. And yeah, it was just, um, it, it was, it was both a, a fun story and a very, very interesting one. And, and, and sometimes you go either one or the other, but this one, I think I, I thought was a really, really nice intersection uh, of the two. 
Mm, good answer. Okay. Um, let's see. Peter, if you could open a business in North Korea, what industry would it be in? And what would you name the company? Uh, under, under current circumstances, I wouldn't, obviously. Um, but if, yeah, if I was looking to, if I, if I, uh, if I under ideal circumstances, if I could, I guess uh, I would can I probably... In, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Dating app. Ah. <laughs> Quite difficult to steal, wouldn't it? Yeah, the North Koreans wouldn't be able to steal that very easily. But how are you going to make... How are you gonna, uh, yeah, I suppose you've done it. Yeah. Well, I still want to hear Peter's really answer, answer, though. It's a really good sorry, one. Sorry, sorry. No, you, you, you stole my thunder. Um, oh. Not really sure. <laughs> now you've come up with that. I'm not really sure. Okay, um, uh, Chad, have you got a ready-made name for the dating app? Wait, hold on. So... There, there are some dating Korea apps Connect. Korea Connect. <laughs> both with a K, both with a K, I hope. So yeah, here's, yeah. A, here's a question for you guys. So in South Korea, uh, there are critical demerits on some of these dating apps. So for example, uh, if you have spent some time abroad uh, for some people on these dating apps, that's actually considered a demerit. You'll actually have your score kind of reduced mm. uh, on these dating apps. And so if you were using a North Korean dating app, what do you think would be some critical demerits for people who are searching for potential partners? Bad Songbun. Songbun, of course. Bad Songbun. Songbun, um, okay, the, the, uh, the, the North Korean sort of inherited uh, ranking or status. Yes. Mitigating factor would be if you have uh, connections abroad, which allow you to make money. But it, it, it's reflected, yeah, indeed, yes. On the other hand, if you have a bad song, if you have relatives overseas, it almost always means that you have a bad song. But if you have rich relatives overseas, mm. it's probably nowadays more important than, well, bad song. But at least, well, I would have, I would probably introduce Peter. It's maybe a good idea. Let's have two kind of two, how would you say, separate points for rich relatives and for songbu. Isn't yeah. it a good idea? If you have, say, a relative, middle-class relative in China, you get plus 10 points. If you have, um, if you're in hostile class, you have minus five points. Basically, if you have a rich relative, it's good, you get five points. Hmm. Or if your relative happens not to be rich or too distant, well, you are probably below zero. Isn't it good? Hmm, <laughs> interesting. Uh, it... I wonder who the, uh, the, the most ideal or, or the most highly ranking ideal partner in a North Korean dating app would be. I have um, an idea about okay. demerits, just briefly. Yeah. Um, I heard from defectors that there are no motels in North Korea. I'm not sure if this is a, if an appropriate say, thing to say on a podcast, but That's I think because of that... <laughs> I mean, uh, lodging, a, there are, lodging place. Oh, like, there's loads of those. There's okay, so, so basically, oh, really? a, a North Korean Airbnb they, would be your business, would it? Uh, oh, right, right, okay, yeah. Are uh, they reasonably priced, though, couples, for normal not. people? Yeah, for couples, maybe not so much. I mean, you obviously... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Big, there's always a spare room, uh, you know, that can be found, if need be, to stay at, yeah. Yeah, or construction that's why I thought site. maybe I the... That used one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the area of the people who are living their um noting their area in the north korean tinder could be a demerit based on like which street you live on gosh a construction site chad that's not how you build a good relationship um colin <laughs> if north korea collapses what do you see yourself doing 
like a serious answer would be, I mean, I think there's so much that we, I mean, I, I worry sometimes if, if it actually collapsed uh, that uh, from a, a completely selfish perspective, like can, you can just allow me to, to talk like this um, uh, about the business, but like you have parachute journalists coming in from around the world to mm. cover the story with much, with much more attention than, than we would be able to probably at NK News, like we would have a hard time competing for attention, but um, we would be so well prepared to cover it, uh, what's actually happening in so many niche areas of what's changing uh, better than everyone else, uh, I think. So I think, I mean, obviously there'd be just so much to talk about. And I was fantasizing about that, uh, uh, not about collapse, but back in 2018, about all the, uh, the things we could we could uh, write about if there was more business interaction or there was actually a change in the relationship with the US and South Korea. Yeah. Uh, I, I see myself uh, on regular long drives with uh, Andre and Peter uh, to Pyongyang and going into lots of uh, businesses and factories and, and things like that. Chad, if I can humbly suggest an idea here to the great leader. Well, exactly. N number one, uh, yeah, sarcasm on. Thanks for the invite too, Solly. Uh, first, copying your line there, Colin, but you stole my thunder. Chad, I was going to suggest that uh, NK News, the company, buy an Airstream that we could all fit into, uh, a nice, good American recreational vehicle, and, uh, and drive up there uh, and just kind of uh, do some glamping uh, in, in North Korea. Yeah, I'm up for uh, for purchasing some kind of old school, uh, yeah, <laughs> large. I will, I will spend most of my time at the uh, Ministry of Finance and the State Planning mm -hmm. Committee's um, archives. Yeah, well, uh, and, and over the, their documents from the eighties, nineties. There would be yeah. a small army of people, maybe even a big army of people, that would need to go no. into North Korea just to uh, to take uh, to take control of the archives and make sure that they don't all get lost no. and destroyed. Andre, it will be it oh, will not be a big army because state planning committees are archives and uh, because looking at what we have seen in the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, it would not be a big army. It will not be even a small army, uh, because for a while there will be a lot of journalists who come looking for sensations. They will find some sensational stories which will make news. But then serious systematic research, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. And I believe Peter will be quite lonely in his archive uh, when he goes to archives. <laughs> and I hope I join him, even though probably you are not going to see me in the Minister of Finance archives. Having said that, uh, to everybody, if it's going to happen, I'm increasingly skeptical, mm. but I still would make, would say, if it's going to happen in the next 20, 30 years, what is important from my Soviet post-collapse experience? First of all, look for people, interview people who did play some role. They will be disoriented, rather easy to find, and the new stereotypes will be uh, still absent from their brain. They will not be know what is correct to believe. In due time, they will learn a new set of beliefs, but not initially. Find them. Find private archives, private letters, everything, mm -hmm. because there will be a massive social disruption and hunting for private photos, private letters, private diaries probably will be even more important than working in the open state archives. Hmm. Yeah, it's all. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Gabby. What is it like to jump into producing a podcast by yourself and filling the big shoes left by Arius? Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, Arius did a lot of the work already. 
in terms of doing the setup, I suppose, for changing the audio. So it makes it a lot less painful and taking out all the like staticky white noise. Mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, it was surprisingly okay. It's almost kind of relaxing, you know, mm-hmm. giving a couple of hours to just listening to what's basically like another class for me. <laughs> right. Now, you also appear regularly on the Undiplomatic podcast hosted by <laughs> uh, previous NK News podcast guest and multi-book writing author Van Jackson. Do you produce his podcast too? Well, I used to for a couple episodes before one of the other guys, Jake, jumped on. Uh-huh. So now I just get the easy job of uh, roasting Van, calling him old, and, you know, prompting questions. Nice. You know, that's what I do to Chad all the time. <laughs> it's a pretty good role, right? It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, Chongmin, this one's for you. How has North Korea or, uh, sorry, how has North Korea changed or developed its methods of public messaging to the outside world? Is it better at putting effective propaganda out there, or is it as clumsy uh, and ham-fisted and cloth-eared as when the DPRK used to take out full-page ads in the New York Times back in the 1980s and 1990s? Well, I wasn't alive in the 1980s yet, so I can't compare to that. But compared to recent years, I think North Korea is definitely getting better at their propaganda. It's the the formats are getting more diverse. For mm-hmm. example, even talking, even with the domestic uh, news systems, they are last year. If you remember, when there was the the a big flood going on, they did like a 24-hour broadcast thing too. Wow. So they are putting a lot of resources into that. And Colin wrote about these, but there are music videos now, Hmm. um, sort of like NK pop for them. And for external propaganda, it seems that the statements are, the the turnaround is pretty quick recently, and it seems they are pretty well coordinated inside. So I would say it's getting better. Yeah, certainly the, the online stuff, the social media, uh, video production quality and, and YouTube and Twitter and, and Sogwang, of course, a big name there. So that, uh, there's a lot more stuff coming out. But even so, it, it does it, is it incongruous that it still takes 36 hours to get out uh, something on state media about a missile test? Is that kind of you know, against the grain a little bit? I don't know if the missile test thing is a good example because that's just, uh, they have to be very careful about what they release. Uh, officially military stuff that's any any country will will be a little bit will take a little bit of time to do that but i wanted to say about the uh the i disagree with with jungman because i watch the stuff that they produce on for social media every day Mm -hmm. and it they're just using a bunch of like free editing program templates like template transitions and title screens and it's like kind of flashy looking but it's like so bad it's just the audio is terrible usually. The editing is very weird. Uh, they're a little bit better on state TV use, using a lot of the same kind of like templates and stuff. But, <laughs> but if you want to, uh, if you compare that though, Colin, to if you look at what our friend Dr. Dermot Hudson puts out, I mean, he is a, a living embodiment and example of the uh, like 1970s, 1980s English language approach to dealing with outside audiences. And, he, you know, uh, no disrespect, Dr. Hudson. Yeah, hi, Dr. Um, Hudson. If you're out there, we'd still love to have you on the podcast. I know you said no to all the times I emailed you, calling me uh, a middle class such and such, but we'd still love to have you on. 
and I and I and I know I called you a cretin on on Twitter the other day, but we'd still love to have you. Uh, but yeah, for, but yeah, if you can if yeah. you compare like, look if you if you look on the Internet Archive and go to um, kcna.co.jp, uh, in fact, it hasn't changed much over the, over the, the years. But when you look at that, um, that was basically all there was in combination with state TV uh, for a very very long time. And I know. I think but the, let's, the question is, how effective is it? I mean, they the 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 formats are like increasing, but people. And I think they have a, a decent audience in China, with, with, which where people can kind of relate to the messaging a little bit better, in my opinion. But like the the, the message is still completely controlled by state propagandists, and they they don't have like the freedom to creatively try to get people on board around the around the world with with their their message on on their state ideology and socialism. But I mean, I think so. It, they're just really consistent with these with these messages, like statements that they put out about the, the geopolitical situation. And I think people can sympathize with their with their position sometimes, but I don't think that they're like, you know, getting better at the messaging. Okay, we have to move right. on to the next question think... here. Um, Andre, do you ever get North Korea fatigue after 40 years of studying North Korea? Not really, uh, because there is a great deal of repetitive stuff. And I can say that roughly one quarter of what I used to write, uh, say, 20 years ago, 25 mm -hmm. years ago, maybe, can be recycled with just minor changes. Uh, but having said that, there is an interesting, re uh, remaining 50% are very interesting and sometimes new. And right now, we are probably in the new era, which is not going to be nice. But it's quite possible that we see the end of a period which lasted for about 30 years, uh, and we're, we're probably going to see something new. Okay, well, that's uh, uh, some hope there. I wonder what that'll be. In no, it's we'll not hope, because no. something okay. new is going to be much worse than we used to see for the last 30 years. But anyway, yeah. Okay, all right, well. It's prophecies of doom. So it's uh, no, just a prophecy of going back to what used to be before the last 30 years, Kim Il-sung era. We'll see. Anti-hope. Okay, uh, Arius, if, if someone who doesn't usually write for NK News has a story they want to tell or an op-ed they want to share or a piece of investigative journalism that they would like to see published on NK News, what's the best way to go about it? Excellent question. Uh, well, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Arius Dare, A-R-I-U-S-D-E-R-R. Uh, you can also email me directly at arius, A-R-I-U-S dot D-E-R-R, -R, that's arius.dare at nknews.org. Uh, very, very happy to hear any potential ideas that people may have for content. Uh, we are absolutely open to all views, uh, all backgrounds, uh, and we encourage people from non-traditional backgrounds or underrepresented uh, groups to get in touch as well. Uh, that's something that we take very strongly at Career Risk Group, and we certainly encourage uh, everybody, even if they are not necessarily from some high diplomatic position or have, uh, you know, a fancy Ivy League degree, uh, we we are super encouraging and you know supportive of all types of views. So please do get in touch. Uh, Arius, do you also own the Twitter account W H O D E R R S W I N S? That's who dares wins. And if not, <laughs> why <wish>. not? <laughs> Uh, I was not a first mover, unfortunately. I, uh, I I just didn't get in on the ground floor, unfortunately, and uh, okay. it's one of my biggest regrets now. Yeah, I can admit that. Uh, question to both Peter and Andre, because we're we're losing you in about uh, eleven minutes from now, so I'm going to uh, sort of 
uh, front load all the questions for you and then save the other ones for the other people later. Uh, Peter and Andre, what is some recommended reading for understanding North Korea better? Perhaps uh, two books each that everyone should read about North Korea. Two books from Peter, two books from Andre. No the, the Real North Korea by Andre. Uh, it's certainly a great place to start. And also North of the DMZ by Andre. Uh, the Real North Korea for politics and a historical background um, and uh, North of the DMZ because it's the reason why I find studying North Korea endlessly fascinating. Uh, it's so, a very yeah, different- I second that on North, the, the North of the DMZ one. That was like one of my gateway drugs. Mm. It's, it's such a good book. Yeah, it's uh, basically a compendium of Andre's columns for Career Times, where he oh, basically yeah. introduces many different aspects of North Korean society, economy, um, and yeah, when I read it back in what was it, 2007, I just oh, I was completely yeah. I had a good co a copy of that book once, but I made the crucial mistake of lending it out to somebody, and that person, if you're listening, you did not give it back, and I haven't forgiven you, whoever you are. Um, Andre, a book to read. Maybe, uh, first of all, Bradley Martin, Loving Care of the Dear Leader, if I remember that. Under the Loving title. Care of the Fatherly Leader. Mm -hmm. It's about as thick as the Bible. It's big. Uh, it can be really cut he, down. He needs an editor, perhaps a man. Yes, editor. absolutely. It needs oh, an editor. 25% down, maybe 30. But if there is only one book you have to read uh -huh. about North Korea, I believe you should start from this book. Okay. Yeah, that's where uh, I started. Yes, uh, it's probably one uh, talking about history, history, maybe uh, Adrian Buzo, maybe if you want something challenging, but it has to be read in a combination with uh, something else, it may be the cleanest race, mm -hmm. or by, uh, sorry, two books, yes, cleanest rate is good, but su suddenly I forgot. P.R. Um, yes, it should, should be Barbara Demick. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, nothing to envy, Barbara Demerick. Nothing to envy, yes, no. yeah, yeah, yes. I think it's two books. Uh, there's In the lo uh, Loving Care and Nothing to Envy, two major books. Okay. It, then probably I would mention Brian Myers, The Cleanest Race, and, uh, well, there are quite a, there are quite a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, but you've already, you've already mentioned more than two, Andre, so I'm going to have to cut you off there. I already said two. I said Bradley Martin, Bradley <laughs> Martin, Barbara Demick. Okay. Uh, Andre, I a lot of question. <laughs> yeah, but what we have slogans no... would be? What slogans would be best for another book title? I thought nothing to envy was great, but there are so many more slogans that you can take as book titles. From uh, forwards, forwards. <laughs> I like we are happy. Onward to final victory. There you go. That was my second one. Yeah. We don't and don't envy anybody in the world, which is was translated nothing to envy, but mm -hmm. we can uh, make a different translation. Okay. Which, because basically it means we are the world's best. Why not? Or, I mean, what do you Andre, mean we've got seven minutes of you left. I want to ask you something important. So I'm going to go yeah. straight into it. A lot has happened in the three and a half years since we recorded episode one in early February, just before the opening of the 2018 Pyeongchang Winter Olympics. Uh, we've had uh, summits, of course, three between Moon and Kim, and three times when President Trump met Kim Jong-un. Uh, there's been the coronavirus pandemic, the exit of most foreign diplomats from North Korea, and the closure of the North Korean border. There's too much to review here. So my question to you, Andre, is in another 100 weeks or so, almost two years from now, we will be back here to record episode 300. Uh, we can't predict events, of course, but broadly speaking... Uh, what is one thing you expect to have changed and what is one thing you expect not to have changed uh, by the time we record episode 300? I would not expect any serious changes. 
if you, uh, there are, might be better relations, there are, might be another crisis, it's quite possible that the world media will be talking about Korean Peninsula be again on the brink of war. Mm. Don't believe them. No, it, war is not going to happen. Or they can say, write about Seoul Spring and the coming reconciliation of two Korean states. Don't believe them. It's not going to happen. Okay. Neither war, no reconciliation. Peter? No disarmament, no nuclear I mean, disarmament, think, no permanent. I think we will... I think we will see a, a significant change in Kim Jong Il's waistline. Kim Jong Un's waistline, his the color of his attire, uh, and the amount, the number of wrinkles on his face. I'm not exactly mm. sure on the direction of change, but I think that there will be change in, in those core areas of North Korea policy. Okay, yes. and maybe a new wonderful suit. Absolutely, yeah. We've a been seeing dramatic suit? changes in his attire. I hope dramatic. I get a new wonderful suit before episode 300. Uh, maybe a different tailor. <laughs> And some different clothes. I don't. I don't want anything from Vinalon, please. Uh, Chad, so get Chad to pay for that. Are you backed by the CIA? <laughs> uh, um, yes, uh, we are backed by the CIA. Thank you for oh, that. Uh, wow. And he's preempted no. my next question, which is: If you were CIA backed, would you say so? Well, he just has. So you heard of the first folks. Doctor Hudson, yeah. now go on, Chad. Please explain. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> Not backed by the CIA, and you know, I, I, I should I reveal this? This is ten years on from the incident. Um, yeah, I, I can reveal that when I was in the British government, I was a leak, and I actually leaked stuff to tabloid newspapers from my job, and uh, that gave me a taste of uh, journalism. And wow. um, yeah, so so yeah, I would be the wrong person for that basically. Wow, okay. That's, that's, that's a bit of exclusive information. Yeah, leaking stuff to tablets. Can you uh, give a, a key, what, what do you call it, a clue as to what the subject was, the subject matter? Yeah, it was about, um, do you remember 2008, we had the um, uh, financial crisis? Yeah, the GFC, hard to forget. Yeah, and um, where I was working, it was a British government department, which uh, had huge budget, and it was one of the few departments that wasn't cutting back on expenses. Mm. And um, I think we were on our second or third retreat for the year. And, oh. I did, you know, I had friends in other departments who were really suffering under the cuts. And um, we were there going to a five-star hotel for the third time in a year as a team of almost 100 people. Mm. And um, we were going to, to a laughology session where a sort of failed comedian would come and teach us how to <laughs> laugh and be happy. He couldn't make it up. It was working for me straight out of, of um, the office, uh, nice. the, the sitcom. And yeah, the headline that, that they went with was they're laughing at your expense. Oh, <laughs> that is a that is a great headline. We actually need. Uh, if you look at the, uh, you know, the Economist uh, newspaper does uh, podcasts every weekday, and their titles always have some good wordplay, some high quality punning, um, some, you know, it, it's really good. I think we need to hire somebody just to write um, headlines with more wordplay. It's it's great. I think that sells papers. It'll get subscriptions, Chad. That's uh, my considered opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So CIA, I'd be a terrible CIA officer. Um, you know, occasionally we get people that they go or you know, especially um, amongst certain uh, parts of the, the Twitter community, they'll, you know, decide to get all um, detective and look into uh, government um, uh, contracting websites where you mm -hmm. can often see 
transparency on, on a lot of democratic governments as to what they're paying money for. Yeah. And often you'll, you'll, you'll see people citing things like a contract for a subscription to a military organization or to a uh, foreign ministry and people will post on Twitter, oh, look, they, they go there. That's evidence of the, um, the spy work that they're doing. But the reality is that any, any contract over a certain value, and it's not a very high value, has to go on those websites and mm. in those records for transparency. So you can find everything from like toilet paper providers to tinned food providers. If the contract's big enough, it will have to go in there. And so um, it's, that doesn't mean anything. We, we are a subscription service. We provide the same product to anyone in the world who, who can afford it and wishes to pay for it. Anyone can get it as long as they don't breach sanctions in that process. And so we're really in an open book and we, yeah, we certainly don't do private work for any, any governments or, you know, it would go really against the grain of what we're trying to do. And it's not something I personally want to be involved with having seen, you know, one, one of the reasons I got into, to, you know, single subject news on a, on a very hot topic in a conflict zone was due to, you know, formative years growing up through the Iraq war, both the first one and the second, and, and especially with the second in uh, early uh, 2002, seeing how like satellite imagery was abused by the US uh, at the UN yep. Security Council. You'll all remember Colin Powell presenting that dodgy evidence. and The sexing yeah, up of documents. Be, uh, Chad, we have a minute left with Peter and, and Andre. So I've got to jump in there. I've got to ask one last question to Peter. Peter, how do people uh, from outside the North Korea watching circles respond when you tell them that you uh, have devoted your life to studying North Korea? Oh, like really normal people think that um, I'm a bit weird, uh, to be blunt, as in people who have no connection to the policy world, foreign policy or, you know, uh, communist country watching or watching authoritarian states generally mm. become a bit weird, but not as much as you might think. Also, you know, because I live in South Korea, um, it's kind of like, well, you know, the West, there are quite a lot of Westerners interested in North Korea. So I guess it's not that strange. Back in... Yeah, go on. Is it true? Is it true that you came to uh, to South Korea originally uh, to meet Andre Lankov? No, uh, it's a bit more complicated than that. But oh. um, I, it was one of the things I wanted to do while I, when I first came here. It was on my, it was on, it was on the my top uh, top two list of things to do. Yeah. Okay. The other, and the other, the other thing on the list was to just learn Korean and have a good time. Uh, yeah. And you've done all those things. Uh, and that uh, is, yeah, it's 8.45, so we now have to say farewell to Andre and Peter. We have to bow out to go to another Zoom meeting. Thanks, thanks Andre. Thanks, Peter, for coming on the show. Thank you. Everybody else stay well, here. We've got more to talk about. Uh, Jongmin, this one's for you. Has a greater ability of South Korean created media in North Korea uh, changed the gap between Korean languages on either side of the DMZ in, in either direction? Has it uh, grown or shrunk the gap in, in languages? Do you mean like in the last decade or? Yeah, let, let's say the last decade uh, with the increase of uh, available video content from uh, South Korea. I don't think so. I think it's not more like a cultural thing, but it's more like a state controlled thing for North Korea, the language. Um, I heard that they are very... Um, they they want their technical North Korean grammar to stay when there are certain certain statements, and we can see that it seems maybe sometimes when you see Arirang Meari or Uri Minjokiri, the externally um, the the websites for external audiences, 
Um, there are certain articles that they are um, picking up from South Korea, like um, like the new words or slangs in South Korea, but they are always just in quotes rather than mm. those language seeping into North Korean language. Okay, Arius, what was your first impression of the Seoul office team members when you started working as the new managing editor? Uh, you had previously worked outside the office as a producer of the podcast with limited contact with the office team. So what changed for you when you walked in there on day one? I was uh, stunned by how handsome Colin was in real life. Um, and also, you know, I, I don't know that I was so surprised by anything. I mean, I, I, I felt that I had a good uh, personal and professional relationship uh, with many members of the team. Uh, and I think that that's a, that's a testament to, you know, the organization's, you know, big efforts to get everybody involved. Um, even, you know, me kind of editing the podcast and doing produ production remotely, you know, I was always kept in the loop on events, on different social calls. Um, and so, you know, it, it wasn't a, a total black box for me stepping in to the role in day one. Um, I, I will say that it's, it, it's been a, an absolute joy the first few months that I've been here and um, it's, uh, it, it's a really, really great and fun place to work. And I am uh, very, very grateful to uh, Chad, Colin, Jungmin, and others on the team who have been doing this a lot longer than I have uh, for you know, helping me get up to speed and uh, keep everything running. Uh, I, I certainly have just learned so much um, about North Korea, much more than I thought I did, that I did. And I certainly thought that I knew a lot. Uh, there's, there's, not, there's nothing like doing this full time, that's for sure. Colin, a question for you. How did you get into analyzing photographs and satellite imagery? Is it hard to train your eye to spot things? First, thanks, Arius, for that nice compliment. Same to you. Uh, well, thank you. The question on satellite imagery, I think it's generally, if you ask yourself, are you good with directions? That's like a question people typically ask each other. If you drive or if you navigate a city, are you good with directions? If you are, then you can probably just, you know, mess around on Google Earth. And uh, if it if it's fun to try to visualize the place you live in in satellite imagery, or you know, if um, then then you start just looking around and discovering things. And uh, I don't know, it's just like if it's if it's if it's naturally interesting to you, then you can do it. And if you're good with directions, I guess. Would you ever work for the U.S. government to do satellite analysis? Uh, I guess I do right now. Is that right, Chad? Uh, uh, but seriously. No, I, I don't think. I don't know. I, I, I've never actually thought about that. I don't know why he put me on the spot like that. But hmm. I'm, I like what I'm doing now. Okay. Um, Gabby, what interests you? Uh, in How did you get interested in North Korea? Actually, uh, it was through Van, because he was my professor, and he was basically my kind of like gateway into North Korea. Mm. And then, especially with how I got involved with NK News, one of my professors, uh, John Delury, introduced me to Arius, and now I'm here, and now I'm kind of like invested in everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jongwin, if you could ask Kim Jong-un que one question, what would it be? How did you lose weight? That is certainly a, a question on a lot of people's <laughs> minds. Uh, Jongmin, a second follow-up question, uh, hopefully with a, a quick snappy answer. If you could be anyone in North Korea for one day, who would you be and why? I will definitely be Kim Yo-jong and slap on a new headband that will surprise everybody. Ooh, uh, are we talking uh, sparkles, um, uh, rhinestones? Rainbow. Rainbow, okay. Uh, let's see. This one Jacko, is who, Jacko. Who would you be? 
Oh, who would I be? Gosh. You know, I think um, Kim Jong-nam, perhaps, because he's, he's so old and he's seen... so tall. He, and, and tall. He's so old and he's seen so much, but he's clearly um, safe in the sense that, you know, no one's seen him as a threat. No one's pushed him aside or sent him to purgatory or, or to a, uh, a camp. Um, so he's kind of a safe guy to be, but he's no longer involved. He's retired. So he can kind of walk around and just look at stuff and, and no one will uh, pay much attention to you. That's a good way to be, I think, in North Korea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for asking the question back there. Let's see. Oh, here's a, a sensitive question, uh, open to anyone. Uh, this person would like to know what the North Korea watchers make of celebrity defectors and their claims. Uh, one in particular seems to make quite unverifiable claims about goings on in the regime on her very popular YouTube channel. No name was mentioned. Hmm. Um, uh, I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Chad, Jungmin, would you like this one? Uh, no dibs. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I... I guess i understand their their motivations and um yeah I, i've i understand why people were you know people that come from north korea are obviously experts and specialists uh in terms of the culture and what they've been through and they're also oftentimes in a very difficult economic position especially when they come to south korea and um i think that creates a national like a natural magnetism towards uh, professional opportunities that uh, basically pay out for snippets of their uh, their lifestyle, their, their their background, their story, and of course, as we know, with um, a lot of media, uh, not us, but a lot, you know, sensation sells, right? Um, controversy creates cash, and so as a result of that, you, I think there are some people that. Maybe they spin things one way or another one or two times and they see it really magnifies their name across international media. And, and it can probably, you know, there's a bit of an adrenaline buzz maybe, and it can maybe be addictive. And and if, if there are not no natural restraints around you or people bear to call you out for perhaps going too far, it probably, you know, the opportunities increase further and the, the, incentive to to go further with with maybe exaggerating some things and the only thing that can really catch you out is um is fellow defectors or sometimes in fact north korean state media when they wheel out family members and and have actually really solid evidence as we saw with uh uh shin dong hyuk the author of uh camp, camp 14. 13 camp 14 escape from yeah. camp 14 well actually not the author but the subject of yeah 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 so yeah that was yeah so i i, I basically what i'm trying to say is i see why it happens mm. and um i'm not going to pass judgment on it, on it but i don't think it's helpful for the broader understanding and it's not an area that um i think we need exaggeration there's enough bad stuff in north korea to not lie and distort that's a, a good considered answer there, Chad. Thanks for that. Uh, here's one a very topical question. Uh, we had President Moon Jae-in recently talk about the, um, the end of war declaration and, and how he'd like to see that happening. So here's a question. What would the end of the Korean War mean? Would it mean an end to the armistice agreement without a formal political, a, a formal political agreement by all sides concerned? If so, there'd be no formal dividing line between the two Koreas. What do you make of that? 
I think it just means it literally it's just a photo opportunity and a statement and the war is ended and it doesn't mean anything more than that. But wouldn't it have it would have some effect on the armistice agreement. I mean, with there's no war, there's no armistice agreement. Then you've got to, you know. But it's a de it's a declaration. It's like, uh, you know, North Korea has declared several times that the armistice is null and void, mm. and has walked away from those declarations. Or we've just we've not jumped on them as being symbolic of anything too too meaningful. So if they can do that on on a provocative angry side i just said provocative sorry <laughs> um then uh then uh i think what's the value i mean what's the the literal war value in from a legal perspective i mean i don't think it has any okay i, I think that, that's exactly right and it, it it wouldn't change anything the the, the 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 status quo would remain exactly the same because the war has been over since 1953 it, it it's not going to actually suddenly open the doors for liberation to North Korea, or, you know, that's, this is going to be the one thing that signals to Kim Jong-un that the South is serious and sincere uh, about, you know, walking back its quote-unquote hostile policy uh, that Noh Dong Moon and others, other state outlets so often like to remind us. Um, it's, uh, I think, a, a reasonable idea, given the constraints that the current administration in Seoul has, because it obviously you don't have any type of sanctions friction and because it is so um, basically uh, un uninvolved, it wouldn't actually uh, involve any of the sides really doing much. It's, it is actually a realistic way to be like, look, I, I want to end my presidency on, on a high note with this, uh, with this inter-Korean thing that I, I tried so hard to, to achieve. Um, and this would also be a permanent like thing, right? I mean, presumably you wouldn't go back to an armistice, even if they, the actual activities or the actual action on the peninsula didn't change anything. This is something that the Moon administration could point to 10, 15, 20 years later and say, look, we, we did that. Mm. So, so yeah. much. The, the other things, I don't know that they can actually point to any one thing and say, look, we did that in 20 years. Here's a practical question from one of our listeners. Can any of you recommend any good resources to learn or practice the North Korean dialect? Uh, they, uh, the listener says they were lucky enough to pick up a set of Learn Korean on your own uh, when they went there uh, to North Korea in 2015, but curious if we know any other resources. Uh, yes, there is. Um, the, if you go to Voice of Korea uh, website, which is the North Korean uh, English facing radio website, they have a, literally a, a corner of the website, bottom right hand corner. They do uh, Tosanmal sentence building mm. and expression videos once a week, I think. And you can watch those and talk along. And uh, yeah, it's it's very useless stuff, but it may be useful for what this listener wants. Okay, Jongmin. Right. And KCNA Watch um, under Korea Risk Group, they we have the stream and archive of all the North Korean state media stuff. And there are often documentaries and movies and dramas um, that's aired over and over and over again. And, and if you just keep track of that and try um, listening to the different dialogue, it will probably help. Also recently published book, a very small book, almost small enough to fit into a pocket uh, from 2019 called or English Shortcut to Korean Learning. Uh, thanks to uh, Ian Bennett, who got me a copy of this, published by the uh, 
Chosun Chulpan Mul Suchul Ipsa. So the uh, Korea Publications Export Import Company, uh, 2019. Look for that one. It's not very large. It's 142, but still, it's mostly you know the kind of stuff that you're used to: uh, personal contacts, going to the airport, visiting things and numbers. But you know, still, that's another place uh, to look at. Uh, here's one about one more go on suggestion quick. just uh, the if you go to the kcna website kcna.kp i think when you load up a story from the home page you can just switch between korean and english on the same page quite quickly so you can compare paragraphs really easily so uh i don't know if you want to learn that specific type of journalistic writing but maybe that's not that useful yeah, that is that's good actually, and some South Korean um, uh, media websites also have that ability to uh, to switch between um, articles. Not many of them, but some of them do. Uh, so here's a uh, a question about leadership succession. If Kim Jong Un was to die suddenly, would anyone challenge Kim Yo Jong to become supreme leader? Would the country accept a female leader? Could someone outside the Kim dynasty be accepted as supreme leader? Uh, well, these are kind of a a, a, a an omnibus question there, uh, but who wants to tackle it? Uh, I don't. Tough, and you don't, don't know. You don't. No one has said that she's the successor or anything. Right. Uh, That's just yeah. Example. I don't. I. I. I think that you would be suicidal if you were a non-Kim family member and you were trying to take control of the country through a, a uh, you know, a coup or something like an assassination, something along those lines, you know, it, it would just be a, a matter of time before your days are numbered. The amount of factionalism and infighting you would create, I think it would just be a crazy thing to do. Uh, Arius, who's the most difficult contributing writer to work with and why? <laughs> I don't know who wrote this question. It's not mine. Uh, well, I, I, will, I will certainly not, not name names. Uh, but I will, I will just say that some uh, are much more involved in the editing process than others. Um, mm. And uh, it's, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Here's a, a couple of questions for me as we uh, come near to the one hour mark of our episode, which is therefore near the end. Uh, Jacko, what's the weirdest sentence you heard from your guests on the NK News podcast in the past 200 episodes and from whom? Well, uh, rather than a, a weirdest sentence, I would say that the the three part episode we did around Christmas 2018, I think it was, um, with the American young American man Miles who uh, traveled to North Korea uh, and deliberately went there to get himself caught and locked up, that was certainly the weirdest and most unusual story I've heard. Um, and and Chad will uh, back me up on this that uh, as far as we can tell, everything he told us in that story was true. Yeah, we, we've uh, we've recently been in touch with Miles. Uh, hello, if you're listening, and um, he shared with us some some documents which I won't talk about, but that like pretty much indisputably back yeah. up everything he said in that podcast. And uh, so I'm, I appreciate his honesty in that. It's a remarkable story. If you haven't listened to those three episodes, I, I highly recommend you go back. And it's kind of puzzling in in um, retrospect that that's that didn't you know. That story didn't get more attention in mm. international media because it had all the ingredients you know an american a young guy yeah. detained in north korea it was after otto warmbier i think no 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 it was before it was before. like 2015 2016. yeah yeah um but yeah it was a fascinating account of, of events and in, in a way the north koreans treated him quite well i think 
Yeah, he he, uh, he definitely got away with it there. Uh, here's one open to anybody. What's the one major breaking news story that you wished had not happened on the day that it did because it disrupted something else important or personal that you're already in the middle of? I'd say the uh, uh, second Hwasong uh, 14 ICBM launch. Um, this was in August 2017 on a Friday night at around mm. 11 p.m. Um, I can't remember. Were you well into your cups there, then? We well, we were doing a staff kind of night out, and oh. uh, we were in a noribang, a karaoke thing, around 11 p.m. And uh, we'd already been to bars, restaurants, oh and I certainly was not in uh, the most uh, <laughs> agile journalistic mode of thinking. And uh, our former colleague Dagyan suddenly like shouted missile, missile test, wow. which is something we normally only heard at like five or six a.m. or you know yeah. those kind of times and uh yeah for some reason the north koreans decided to do a uh, icbm launch on a friday night uh when everyone was out in seoul and that was very in inopportune yeah very un unpleasant experience uh, question for for jongmin uh who's your favorite choreographer in and beyond seoul oh i love this question and you know my answer jacko <laughs> my uh, the within the north korea beat it would be Choi Seung Hee, yeah. of course, she she's a legendary figure. She was born during Jap Japanese colonialism, and she defected to North Korea, and she became a really famous um, one of the top like legends of choreographers in North Korea. And outside North Korea, in Seoul, it would be Honey J, um, who's the main dancer of J Park, and used to be my teacher as well, and she's getting famous right now on MNED with the street woman fighter thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Gosh, it's a lot there that I don't know. <laughs> Big shout out to Rob York. No specific question there, just a hi to Rob. I really enjoyed your chapter three of uh, the future of, of the Korean Peninsula, Korea 2032 and beyond. Sorry, I haven't had you on the show yet, but it'll happen soon. Um, another question. Oh, this one's also for me. What are some big names who haven't yet been on the podcast, but whom you'd like to interview? And uh, I'm thinking, well, I would like Rob. to do a five-hour oral history interview with Kim Jong-hee, the sister of Kim Jong-il. The same uh, also for uh, Kim Jong-nam, former head of the Presidium of the Supreme People's Assembly and Foreign Minister. Um, I mentioned him before. He was one of the, one of the last <laughs> old guards of the Kim Il-sung generation. I'd also love to interview Kim Pyong-il, the half-brother of Kim Jong-il, who spent decades in European exile as an ambassador before being summoned back to North Korea a couple of summers ago, and who actually yeah, went. There, there's someone who could challenge uh, challenge for leadership. Uh, in I, I don't scenario. think so. I, I think the reason he's still alive is because he's he's not a threat uh, between you and me. Um, also, of course, much closer to home here on this side of the demilitarized zone, uh, South Korean former foreign minister Kang Kyung hwa uh, as South Korea's first woman foreign minister, she was there when all these amazing things happened, the, uh, the missile tests, the summits, the back and forth, the uh, Trump and Kim falling in love. Uh, it, it seems that opinion is still divided in South Korean government circles about whether she was a good and effective foreign minister or not. So I'd love to have her on the show. And last but not least, I want to get uh, President Donald Trump uh, on to walk us through his relationship and dealings with Kim Jong-un from start to finish, from uh, little rocket man insults to uh, we fell in love and, and wrote beautiful letters to each other. Don't think that I haven't reached out to him. We just haven't got a yes from him yet. So uh, we keep trying. Great interview idea.
Uh, that kind of brings me to the end of the formal part. Any questions or comments from you folks before we end up? You mean, you mean us? Yeah. Mm. Do you want to ask anything of each other or me? What's everyone drinking tonight? I've got this uh, delicious uh, can of cloud. Uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on cloud as well. Very nice. I'm on cloud. Is that cloud with a K? Not cloud nine, cloud one for me. Mm. Chad, I thought you said you were on whiskey yeah. at the start of the podcast. Have you gone from whiskey back to beer? Well, I, I had one whiskey uh, and then I'm having one cloud right now. All right. You could mix them together, you know, make a nice uh, boilermaker. <laughs> yeah. Young man. Jack and zero Coke. Nice. I'm still yeah, at uni, so I'm downing a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Wow. You know, in, in the UK, Gabrielle, we would drink and study. I don't know what it's like down in New Zealand. But <laughs> yeah, different. for sure. Did it, did it work? Did it help? Down under. I did my footnotes for my um, thesis with, with a Guinness in my hand. And uh, <laughs> oh. I, yeah, it was, I thought it would take an hour and it ended up, up taking all night. So luckily <laughs> it was just one Guinness, but yeah. I always think it makes me think of um, Christopher Hitchens, who uh, always wrote uh, while drinking. Many fine writers have followed that. Um, right, drunk, edit sober. Of course, as the editor, I'm always sober. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, okay, well, that brings us then to the end of our uh, party Ask Me Anything podcast. Thanks, everyone, for coming on uh, at night. Appreciate everyone for coming on the show. Jongmin, Colin, Gabby, Arias, and who have already departed us, Peter and Andre. Uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, a podcast that we will want you to, uh, to share with people. So rate, review, and reshare uh, so that we can get my, uh, reach my own personal dream of reaching 10% of Joe Rogan's viewership. Uh, if you have any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations, please send them to us at podcast.nknews.org. And our thanks, as always, to Arius Dare and Brian Betts for facilitating the podcast and to Gabby Magnuson, our host-recording producer genius. Thanks, everyone, and listen again next time. Bye.